the Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. This is the Unruffle Podcast, Episode 132. This is a podcast about recovery through creativity. We live an intentional life. We thrive. I am Sandra Primo. And I'm Tammy Salas. And we are The Unruffled. Hello, Unruffled listeners. We are popping in at the top of the show to share with you several ways that you can help support the podcast. First, you can become a patron of the show by donating to our Patreon fundraising campaign. Please consider supporting our consistent effort in bringing you weekly content on creativity and recovery, all for less than the price of a latte. For just a dollar an episode, you will receive early access to each week's show as our way of saying thank you. If every listener did this, we would be over the moon. The link to our Patreon campaign is www.patreon.com backslash the unruffled podcast. And that's not it. You can share our show on social media or with your friends, and you can subscribe to the podcast and give us a rating on iTunes. All of this helps our little show immensely, and we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Now on to the show. Hey, Sandra. Good morning. How are you, my friend? I am good. I woke up really, really just in a good mood this morning. It's not Aww. been my typical morning uh, wake up emotions for uh, all of September, we could say. I don't know, mm-hmm. but it's, well, you things are shifting. Yes. You've had a lot going on, lady. So you're almost moved, right? You're almost almost moved. It's such a boring, I'm not even, I'm done talking about it, but yes, I almost moved. And, um, and, uh, uh, I've had the same conversation with, um, the, the, our guests today too, over the the entire summer. So I'm so done talking. Okay. But yes, almost moved. Um, the next time I would assume the next time that we are talking on this mic, I will be talking from a, from my, from our new space. Okay. Well, okay. That's, that's, that's some progress there. That's great. Mm -hmm. I look forward to that. I look forward to that. Me too. (laughs) Uh, this, uh, you're, you're, you're extending some offerings. Did you want to share about that at the top of the show? Oh, shh. Sure, I will. So I opened back up Change Your Story. I was going to run it as a group program and I changed my mind. Look at you practicing mm-hmm. what you preach. Yep, I changed my mind and I've I'm still offering it as a one-on-one coaching or co-working experience from now until the end of the year. Okay. And um I would love to work with you. I have, I have more slots available. We can schedule it in either four or or four or eight week increments. And, um, I am super excited. I had, uh, several women sign up already and it's my, it's my love language. It's my love work. I'm in love with it. 
Well, you're good at it. I mean, you're so talented in so many things, Sandra, and it sounds like you figured out the thing um, that you re that really fills you up as well. You know, it's not just one-sided, right? You're not just helping people. It's helping you as well, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, that, that <laughs> will, yes, we, we'll, we'll probably talk about that today with our yeah. guests, but yes, that is true. Oh, well, good. I'm excited that you changed your mind and that I like I, what I really appreciate in, in your work, Sandra, and in your newsletters, I always look forward to getting your newsletters is just, um, you really walk the walk and, um, that helps me walk the walk, you know, and that's why I like following other creatives because they, they're showing me how it's done and it kind of emboldens or, you know, gives me permission to do the same. So mm. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Well, should we um, bring on our guest and chat? And I see think how we should, should, because this is a nice segue. So when I started my Change Your Story program this summer, um, I didn't know, you know, like some of the, some of the people that signed up for it, I knew their, I recognized their names. They were in our secret Facebook group where I knew them from Instagram. Um, and and then some, but then some I didn't know at all, or I didn't think I knew, maybe they sounded slightly familiar. And what, what happens is, um, you know, the, the payment will just come into my inbox and then I send out a questionnaire. Um, it's like a little intake form, basically like, who are you? What do you want to work on? That, those kind of questions. And, um, so I received one over the summer. I was actually on vacation, so I didn't. I wasn't getting a whole lot of um, uh, internet that week, but I was checking in a little bit because I knew I had someone sign up, and I was waiting for the intake form to come in. And this person's name was Cody, and I went. Through, I was reading through the entire questionnaire, um, just assuming. Um, this person was a uh, female because I just assumed that our audience, and I think it's a fair assumption that our audience is, what are you, 98% female? I mean, I, if I had to take a gander. Mm -hmm. And um, because the name was Cody, it was kind of gender neutral. I just assumed that I was talking to a woman and she lived in Paris and every, and, and I was already like, oh, this is so fun. Mm -hmm. Interior design and, um, you know, all of the, all of the things this person was saying was pinging me until I get to the very end of the questionnaire. And it says, by the way, <laughs> I'm a guy. I don't want to, I don't want to alarm you, but I'm a man. <laughs> Love us. I know. It was so, fabulous, man. I'm, yes. I, a fabulous man. And I'm so not even, um, I'm, I'm not relaying the, 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 all of the poignant and beautiful parts of, of the, of the questionnaire to you in a, in the, well, the, well Cody's here. So Cody's going to help us with hi, that. Hi, hi, <laughs> hi, Cody. Um, hi. Uh, hi. I, I'm dying over this. I love this. <laughs> I, I know you can't tell from the high, shrill pitch of my voice, but I am indeed a man. I will exactly. use that, that phrase very loosely. <laughs> I I'm actually am a 55-year-old woman trapped in a gorgeous gay man's body, but I'm, 
man is the box that I check on the forums. Mm -hmm. And I can attest to all of this because although we have not met in person, we have had spent, we've spent a lot of time via zoom calls with the video on and um, you took it to the next level with Cody. Oh, for sure. I know. I tried to get the angles right at all times, though. You did a <laughs> like very... A, I, I'm very tall, and so... <laughs> you is. did a very good job of that, because every Thank time you. you looked really good, and it made Thank me start you. to question how I looked. Yeah. <laughs> because... You need to take this shit seriously. I have to, right. That's why we don't do, that's why we don't do video to, on our Zoom call right now. Right. <laughs> and we get to this. know each other very well. And throughout all this, I find out Cody has been a hairdresser and all of these things. And, you know, already I'm regretting all the times I showed up with my hair probably just looking like he was probably like, seriously, if I could just get a hold of that head of yours. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Sister's right here. But we had so much fun. I have to say that what re- like what really sealed the deal for m- my endearment to to dear Cody was that he thought of <laughs> he thought of me and Tammy. So he had written this letter, right? And you wrote it on your around your year um and sobriety birthday correct I, did. I i sent a few letters well i actually wrote a bunch of letters on my one year sober anniversary um which was when was which that? was jan i'm a new year's baby oh, of course i'm one are. of those freaks of nature who <laughs> quit drinking on january 1st and it stuck yeah I, so it's, it's- i'm a freak of nature i totally totally understand that it <laughs> does not Good. exist in the wild so but it, but it worked. So yeah, I wrote, I kind of wrote a bunch of people that had just inspired me or helped me on my journey on my one year anniversary. And I kind of, you know, when you quit drinking, you picture yourself at like a year or 10 years or five years or whatever. And I pictured myself, of course, glowing, 30 pounds lighter, you know, had a tan. And I had like the worst cold in the world. And I just felt like garbage. You know what I mean? Like progress is never linear. And it's mm-hmm. never really what you think it's going to be or look like, especially. Um, but yeah, I wrote I wrote some people some letters and I sent some of them out just kind of slowly throughout the next six months after that. And I still hadn't sent my letter that I wrote to you guys. And I thought, okay, well, I'll, I'll be able to send this. I'll send this to Sandra now with my intake form. Because like, what the hell? You know what I mean? Like, right. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Who just cares? Do <laughs> just do it. It was the best letter ever to read. Oh, that's so sweet. I write a good letter. You do you write a good letter. I did do. write a good letter. And I, so asked, nice. I asked if I could share it with Tammy and I was on vacation again. I couldn't figure out how to copy and paste it from my phone. And as soon as I got back, I was, I sent, I sent Tammy a text and said, oh my, or maybe an email. Oh my God, I've been dying to share this with you for an entire week. That's what the subject line said. I'm, I've been dying oh. to send this to you. <laughs> And I was like, I oh. still have a few letters that I haven't sent out. So I, I should probably get on I'm a million years. It's so later, nice to receive. I should. It's, yeah, you gotta, you gotta pay thanks 
to people who don't often receive it and to people who aren't expecting it, I think. I think it's important in the world we live in. Oh, I think you're so right about that. Yeah. Yeah. It was so. beautiful because sometimes we're doing this and a little bit, it just feels like me and Sandra are getting together every week. Yeah. We do this talk, which we love to do with each other and have people on, but you know, it just, it felt so um, nice to read it and how you... Um, how you shared that the podcast, you know, kind of helped you as a tool for you. And I think you were sharing it with a friend when they asked you how, you know, how did you get sober or how did you, um, yeah. you know, what do you, what are you doing? Yeah. How, how are you doing that? And yeah. It, that you and you were like a podcast. little, you were like a little embarrassed. And a little- I know. I was like, I listen to these two ladies that sound like the church ladies from SNL. And they talk about painting and menopause and not drinking. And I really just, it just really calms me down. And I listen when I do dishes. You know what I mean? Like everybody has their podcast. And podcasts are so voyeuristic too. You know what I mean? Like For sure. Really get to know people. And them not have any clue that you're alive, you know? So, yes, I have a shamefully admitted. No, it's not shamefully. Admitted, <laughs> but I, know, I definitely know I'm not your target demographic, definitely. Oh, Sandra, oh, can you share, like, his I should have brought compliment? it to you. I should have brought it to you because I'm laughing so hard that I'm sobbing. Um, <laughs> so, yes, here's one, one line. Uh, excerpt from Cody's letter in my head I think of you both as my kooky cool eccentric wise creative ants <laughs> best oh. compliment of my life oh it, seriously <laughs> seriously I love, I love it you nailed it Cody I love I love a kooky aunt <laughs> like for me totally and and you're the kooky aunts that like listen to Fleetwood Mac on your podcast mm-hmm. and you like you know, drive a like 2009 Toyota Camry with a bumper sticker, <laughs> sticking it to the van. You, you know, so like, goddamn, you are so in my mind. goddamn right on the money here, almost. Okay. Is there, I have, in, I have the is there incense burning? <laughs> totally, like, there's incense. Like maybe some Nag Champa. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. That's how I picture you both. So mm-hmm. you kind of, I mean, Tammy kind of lived up to my expectations <laughs> that are in person for sure, but. Mm-hmm. We've yet to we've yet to embrace yet, Sandra, but one one day for sure. Oh, for sure. And you're gonna yes. Well, and you already know because of our correspondence that you've 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 nailed me, but yeah. <laughs> wow. You picked up That's a lot over our podcast. <laughs> I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> you nailed Sandra. Um so um the when um we'll talk about this later but um the witchy part like i loved when when you and i met cody you said um i'm jumping ahead i know but you talked about like women with gray hair and how sometimes it can get witchy and i was like i went back i went back to the where i was and i looked in the mirror i was like oh shit he's talking about me i didn't know you were a hairdresser and i was like oh if i had known that i would have asked him to cut my hair in paris like how much how awesome would that have been yeah. Well, next time you'll have to come back for a haircut. Okay. Well, let's go back. I'm jumping ahead here, so we'll go back. But um, no, your your letter was so awesome, and then I felt like it was nice that um, that uh, Sandra had shared you with me. You know what I mean? Like, and that was okay with you, and like yeah, totally. reading your words and reading about your story, and that you've been sober since you know January first of 2018, right? That was the day. And that's like, you know, it's a, it's um, yeah, the one year can be a little bit of a letdown sometimes. They talk about that. Um, Sometimes you have a pink cloud and sometimes it's like, oh, this is it. Like, yeah, this is exactly. it. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, so you've been working with Sandra over the summer mm-hmm. and, um, and then you reached out to me. Am I skipping a part, Sandra? Am I going? I don't think so. No. Okay. Um, and I think Sandra, I think you facilitate that. You like, I think, uh, I can't remember now. Anyhow, but you had reached out to me. Right. Um, well, yeah. I, Cody and I were talking about how you were coming through Paris and then Cody. Yeah. And so I said, okay, well you, you, I, I yeah. At that point I thought you guys needed to, to chat because I didn't know if you had time to. Yeah. To well, I had, I kind of was guarding my time cause it was so, it was so quick. You know, we had right, another friend. There for a yeah. We had another friend offer to meet me. She'd, you know, months ago she'd said that and she was coming from another part of France and um, it was Mandy who's, who's been on our show before from love sober. And I'd said, you know, I'm just trying to keep the weekend and have boundaries. And there was something when Cody reached out, um, I mean, I would love to meet Mandy, but that didn't work out. And then, um, when Cody reached out, he was like, I can meet you at the airport and deliver you to like where you need to go. And my, cause my anxiety of flying and of airports and all of that, I was like, I'm going to say yes. Are you an I'm anxious gonna... flyer? Oh Yeah. No, I'm totally kidding. I know you are. You're talking about <laughs> <laughs> so silly. Um, oh, but so when he when he offered, yeah, because you'd heard that, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I heard that. So I thought, you know, I'll extend my. I've been to that airport ten thousand times, and I know how horrible flying into a strange place and not having a nice space to greet you can be mm-hmm. Any, anywhere. Even if you're not, even if you don't have anxiety around travel or anything, it's just so. True. You're just in a giant city all by yourself. And I had, I had a friend once who always insisted, like I'd fly into where I was living and she'd be like, I'll pick you up from the airport. I'm like, it's fine. I'll take a cab. I'll take the bus, whatever. Like she's like, no, airport pickups are the nicest thing you can do for another human being. Yeah. That is so simple and so easy. And I was like, you know what? I got it. So I, I've taken a book out of her pay or, a book out of her, a page out of her book. And now I just try to do it whenever I can. Mm-hmm. Um, but it worked out. It was so great because I did have a lot of um, stress about that. And I don't speak the language and it can get confusing yeah. getting out of the, I mean, I'm still confused For getting sure. over to customs and um, knowing that Cody was just waiting on the other side and texting me. And it was really sweet. And I just, um, that act of service, um, knowing I was going to meet another sober person and that act of service just felt so good. It felt so good. It set me at ease. And then when I met this, you know, handsome devil, um, six foot three blonde waiting for me. And I was like, (laughs) wow, this is like bonus, bonus, bonus. I was, and I was, I was tired because it was, you know, just the day had been long, but it was just the kindest. And it turns out that you lived very near my friends. So close. Yeah. You, you'd mentioned that your friend, they're a little family, so I kind of thought, oh, she'll be out in the burbs, I'll drag her out to the burbs, whatever. But you're actually like, it's uh, right across the river from where I am. So it was super convenient and yeah. it worked out great. That was perfect. And I, I will say, if anyone's looking for like a little spark of joy in a horrible place, like an airport, <laughs> one of my favorite weird things to do is watch people get off a plane and like hug their loved ones. Like oh. nothing, like seeing like a kid who hasn't seen their mom and like, however, you know what I mean? Or like lovers oh. who haven't seen, do you know what I mean? I just think You're it's the so right. so sweet. It always makes yeah. me so happy. So it's like a fun 
I, I know it's like a bit weird, but it's just, it's, it's one of those. It's not. Like, like, you're right. Everyone is so joyous at that moment. Yeah. Like, you never see, like, two people like, oh, you're here again. Like, if right. you're, if you, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh, you, right. You know, it's always this, like, everybody's happy and excited and you're coming from vacation or you've been living away or whatever. So it's it's a nice place to to see some real human emotion that's not on a telephone screen. You know you're what I mean? so right. You know, my mom uh, used to hang out. She was from a, she was raised on a farm. And so she moved to the big city when she was like 19 or 20 years old. And for fun, she and her cousin used to go and hang out at the airport and watch That's people adorable. deplane. That's I know. So cute. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I like now, that too. Yeah. Now they now they really are hell on earth. Like they're just it's it's not a pleasant experience. So that's like the one nugget of like loveliness in travel, I think. I think can be really nice. Well, I, I so thought right. I thought it was I mean, and for you, I mean, because we got chatting right away and it's like um, you know, to have another sober person to be able to just chat with on a Friday night at rush hour or happy hour or whatever you call it. Like it was great to connect yeah. that way. So do you, do you have many sober friends where you live, where, where you live in Paris? I don't. And we, we talked about this a little bit and I've, I've been to AA. Um, I'm, I'm not French as you can tell from my accent. Um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I'm an expat here. I, I live, I live full time here, but Paris is the, the most visited city in the world. More people come here than any other place on the planet. So I've had some resistance to go to AA meetings, especially as an English speaker. Um, because my, it's all tourists. I, I'm thinking that it may be all tourists. And I actually haven't gone. It's been kind of like one of those things that I just haven't done. But I'm kind of, I'm, I'm thinking about re-engaging with that community again because they're not, it's also, I mean, people talk about this all the time, but people seem to drink differently here. And I don't really know what the narrative of recovery is in a society that kind of moderates very well. You know, I'm not saying that it doesn't exist because that, that can't be the case, but I don't even really, I haven't really even looked into what this culture's narrative around recovery is, you know, so I don't. Mm -hmm. And so even when most of my friends here are English speakers or expats or whatever, it's just, so that's a small pool. And then you have an even smaller pool of generally people in recovery. So I don't actually have a, a real community here, which is why I think like listening to podcasts or online stuff is really, it's helpful for people who all over the world who are looking for that connection, you know? Yeah. Well, you and I chatted uh, just about, I, I thought, if it is all tourists, I know that that could be annoying and that, that, that perhaps, I mean, I don't know if it's annoying, but just that they're struggling. You mm -hmm. being someone who lives there, it, it could be another extension of service just to say like, yeah, I know it's tough, but here's, you know, there's a couple of places you could go. Totally. Here's what I do, totally. um, which can get us out of ourselves sometimes when we are of service, which is what I felt like you did for me while I was there. And I really am grateful for that. Oh, well, it was such because a pleasure. I had a tough so time nice to meet you. Yeah. It, Paris can be a tough city. It was for me last time. I almost, I was 500 days sober and I almost drank um, a glass of white burgundy and knocked yeah. it back while my husband was in the bathroom. Yeah. Um, and I didn't, but from being around all day and going and walking by those cute cafes with the tables for two and everybody drinking and smoking, like it just looked very romantic and charming. Totally. And I didn't see it that way this time. Maybe I was there. I was a little bit under the weather, but I, I didn't see it that way this time. Um, something was different for me. 
Yeah. Well, the first, I'll kind of give you some background into how I came to Paris and why yeah, I'm here please. and all of that. So just to give you some context. So when I, I arrived in Paris in January of 2016, so it was kind of post the big Bataclan terrorist attacks. I had taken off a month from work. I was working at a, at a restaurant as a bartender full time and I, I was a month sober. So I was just raw as all can be, like just on the brink. And I'm like, I'm gonna take a month off and go to Europe by myself. That's a great idea, isn't it? <laughs> so I can In theory. I bought, and in theory. So I bought a one, yeah, I know, right? So I bought a one-way ticket to France and then I thought, okay, I'll fly back home at the end of this month, wherever kind of the road takes me. And literally the first thing I did when I got off the plane was I went to a bar and ordered a bottle of wine and smoked and smoked a cigarette. And I'd been quit smoking for like ever too. So it was like, it was this, but, and I think that that's where like travel can kind of get you too. So mm -hmm. it's like, it'll, you're like, it's kind of like the excuses that we make all the time. Well, it's like, well, it's Christmas in a month. I can't go Christmas sober. Oh, well, after Christmas, it's January. And do you know what I mean? So it's, it's like that, I think, with vacations, too, is that we cannot imagine traveling without alcohol, especially in a place like, I mean, Tammy, you, or, yeah, Tammy, you live in wine country in, um, yeah. in California. I split my time between Paris and Burgundy, which is another famous wine region. And it's that narrative that comes along with places that I think can be um, a struggle, especially for newly sober people. You know right. what I mean? Especially if that's all you've ever done. It's the only totally. way you've operated. Totally. It's like functioning without like oxygen or pants mm -hmm. or whatever right. for your day, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, so I arrived in Paris and immediately started drinking and had, and it, about a week later, I met my now partner um, in a little, in a little bar and we told, it's super romantic. So if you're, if you're adverse to that, then I'd stop listening but um <laughs> so we met and we fell in love and then I was kind of like gearing up to make a big change in my life and move anyway and he was like do you think we could make this work here and I was like I think so. I mean you twist my arm right like move move to Paris whatever but I was like I could tr we could try it and then we tried it and then you know, four years later or whatever, I'm still here and we're, we still like one another, which is a feat in itself. Um, and yeah, that's how I ended up here. And that's what I, I'm doing here. And so Paris is your week. Oh, so I had a, sorry, I missed a part of that story. Yeah. So I drank intensely for a year. Um, and then, and then after about a year of being here and indulging, um, I made the decision to return. And luckily I have one of those partners that maybe people can like if I drink two bottles of wine a night or three bottles of wine a night or whatever, he'll drink half of one and be fine. Right. Yeah. If he's drinking anything and I'm drinking Diet Cokes, he'll have a Diet Coke. Like it, yeah. it doesn't even, you know, it doesn't phase him. It doesn't impact him. So I'm, I'm really lucky in that sense that there wasn't some sort of like codependent, I'll stop when you stop kind of thing. So it just, it was very natural and easy and supportive. And I think mm -hmm. that was really part mm -hmm. of my luck. Yeah, that sounds very familiar to me. Mm -hmm. So one, one thing I didn't think about, and I find this too in like places like other places I've been, like 
Mexican culture mm-hmm. and other cultures is the Americans or even, you know, I know you're not American, Cody, you're Canadian, but I'm Canadian. oftentimes it's the tourists that come in and run amok and drink too much yeah, and all of that. Totally. And the, and the people that live there, they, they don't, they're more of a moderate culture. Yeah. Um, so I, I would imagine, and, and it's not like that in, in the United States, um, but it is like that in other, other countries that, you know, like, you know, like France that's known for its wine, yet mm-hmm. the natives don't drink like that all you know all of them do yeah yeah Yeah. i mean there's definitely i mean binge drinking is everywhere like everywhere sure people you know binge drink or whatever and people have different habits but i do think that there are cultural i mean when i i mean we can all attest to this coming from north america there is that culture of like when you're a young person you binge drink and we see that on like college campuses today that have like Alcohol brings along huge problems with with binge binge drinking it among young people. And when you're young, unfortunately, it's when you build your habits. You know Mm, what I mean? Right. It it just, it it should be the opposite way, but it's not, unfortunately. So different cultures have different relationships with alcohol. And I, my experience with French people generally is that it is kind of like you you have a glass of champagne with, at the start of dinner and you have two glasses of wine at dinner and then you have like poured at the end and you're done. You know what I mean? And that's like, you're done, you know? Right. And then you're drinking coffee. Whereas, yeah, I would just yeah. like, know that there's more totally. rounds to have. Totally. <laughs> there's more rounds to have. And I would yeah. just think that it would just be hard to reconcile that. Like, no, you know, I, uh, and that's, it's, so it's not surprising that you tried it out for a year or. Oh, totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Cause it was like, I, I mean, the thing about Europe, maybe that's a little different is that you can drink anywhere and you can drink at any time. People just don't, you know what I mean? Like you can walk down the street drinking a beer if you so choose, but it's just rare to see that, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's not super common. I mean, there are, the UK, for example, if you're, if you're in London, you'll see usually generally groups of men outside of pubs drinking pints at nine in the morning. You know, it's, that's not an uncommon sight. So it's not the same for, in my experience, it hasn't been the same for every country, but culture plays such an important role in drinking that maybe we don't think about as often as we could. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, absolutely. Like I told you, I had just come from Morocco where that was not mm-hmm. the case there, right? It's a yeah. non-alcohol centric society. It was yeah. restaurants that had no alcohol and had beautiful non-alcoholic menus. And it was, um, it was interesting how it's just part of their culture that it, or that it's not part of their culture. Yeah. And so that was refreshing. Um, can you, <laughs> share your thoughts on mocktails that you share my thoughts oh what did i tell you guys because <laughs> <I said laughs> um you had me at mocktails when we talked i about said it. Like, I, I, said, I said for me a mocktail is like because tammy asked me she was like what do you what do you do for drinks around here what do you drink and i'm like i drink diet coke like i, I have stocks in the company like that's why that's <laughs> <me. laughs> <laughs> so I don't care if we're at like a Michelin star restaurant. I'll be like, I'll have a Coke, a, di- a Diet Coke, please. Um, but I said to Tammy, I said, mocktails for me are like a hand job without an orgasm. Because it just doesn't. <laughs> like, it's like, 
Yeah, it's usually kind of sickly sweet. Right, right. Uh, like, oh, this is missing something. Yeah, right. Clearly. Oh, great. Another well, like, yeah. Anyway, you yeah. you articulated that in a way that I never have, but I definitely resonated with uh, your explanation or with your characterization of that because I was thinking in the beginning when I was newly sober, I it was I just had water. I didn't want anything else because it felt like, what's the point? It's like not the real thing. I I and it, so, totally. but now I can't, like now at four and a half yeah, years. I mean, they're fun too. I mean, but, sorry to be crude, but you could have a hand, you could have a hand job without an orgasm and it's still fine. It's all right. <laughs> You're not going to turn it down. You're not going to turn it down. That's I mean, right. Sometimes it's, it's the journey, not the destination. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so I, I mean, yeah, and I, I like to switch it up too. Like I have, I have mocktails, I have water sometimes, I have a Diet Coke sometimes, sometimes I'm getting into juices. Like it is whatever. And it's funny that we have this like shame about like, like you're going to stick out and nobody cares. Nobody, nobody gives a shit. Nobody cares. Nobody gives a shit. You're, you're the only one thinking about it. You know what I mean? So. Well, I love a culture that can, can like celebrate and, and do good tea service. Like I, in America, yeah. that is not the case. When I go to Europe, I'm like, oh, they know how to do it with the sugar cubes and the great I know, the fancy little cakes and all cup that Cup and saucer, yeah. So I think that's actually yeah. a good point is that like, I think a nice thing that you can do if you are sober that um, I actually haven't done, but we kind of did something similar to it, but like go for like a high tea. Like hotels mm-hmm. in your city will often have like uh, there's so many hotels in so many cities, even in the States and in Canada, that do a really nice high tea where you get like little cakes and little sandwiches and you get a pot of your own tea. You know what I mean? Like, it's just that yeah. nice little things that you can do, you know? Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. You and I had a date for s- Sunday morning. So I flew in on Friday night mm-hmm. and then on Sunday morning, you and I were going to have a date from about eight to noon. Mm-hmm. And you were waiting outside my friend's house right on time. And yeah. we had the threat of rain. Um, yeah. But um, so we brought umbrellas and then we kind of went out and there was no one in the city. Like there, it was, it was empty. Yeah. I think that's something, I mean, we had this discussion on our, I, I, to give you a little side story, I came back home after a little date and my partner was like, how was your friend? How was your time? And I was like, it was so romantic. And he was like, <laughs> like, well, like it was like, it, it was. really was romantic. And again, like very gay and like very different people. So it was, it was, it was a friendship kind of romantic. Um, but well, it was sober Sunday in the city. It was like the, Sunday in the city. Exactly. Yeah. It was great. And it was, it was, I mean, if anybody is ever coming to Paris or wants a, a hot tip, the mornings in, in Paris or in big cities in general are such a magical time, especially if you kind of shy away from crowds or, or for me, the most beautiful, beautiful experience in a city is when it's kind of emptied out and like things aren't quite stirring yet and you don't have the traffic and the noise and the people. And I mean, there's so much noise and traffic and people here that Sunday mornings are just, it, it's like going to church. It's just such a beautiful, magical experience. And, and we got to have that together. And we, we did share a moment at some point. I think we were maybe like the, the courtyard of the Louvre. And it was just like, we get to do this because we're, you know, so, I mean, we met because we're sober. Mm-hmm. We're getting to do this because we're sober. We're not hungover. Like it's such a, yeah. I mean, for lack of a better word, like it's a real blessing, you know, it's this mm-hmm. real privilege of, 
honoring your body and your experience and your time and and the world you live in and it's it's such a, a treat for a sober person i think it's been my experience mornings are really special times now right right it's like the it's one of that those beautiful byproducts that you yeah. really didn't even know that you wanted or longed for totally. but it's yeah mm -hmm. totally yeah well, when we, when we met, um, I, well, we had been emailing beforehand and, and I had some grandiose ideas about going to the Paris flea market because I've always wanted to go. I've never been, but Cody knows me because I'm his kooky eccentric aunt. He it's knows that this girl, <laughs> this girl struggles with anxiety, too many people around. And you were like, yeah, I don't really know if that's going to be your jam. Basically. <laughs> um, how about a neighborhood flea market? How about that? You know? <laughs> I know it's already scaling down. You 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 came with a couple of ideas Sunday morning. We saw a freaking rainbow. Let's not forget that. We like did. As soon oh, as we started out, we saw this beautiful rainbow and to throw another picture. level of game. Right? Yeah, we were gaining it up. Just throw a rainbow on top of it. And we took a picture with the Seine River behind us, and it just the whole thing was just like out of a movie. It was and. Real. He gave me a couple of options. So you said like the neighborhood flea market was an option or yeah, the flea market or my other plan was to go to um, walk along the river because we're actually where you were staying and where I live is literally right across the river from one another. So right. walk down the river. The, the Seine River runs right through the center of Paris and it's kind of the like the main artery of the whole city. And so everything is kind of scattered along it. So the Eiffel Tower, the Louvre, Notre Dame is on the river. Like everything's kind of on the river. Mm -hmm. And so I said, let's walk along the river, take it all in. We saw some beautiful kayakers on the river, which mm -hmm. was so nice. And yeah. then we walked to the Louvre and we didn't go in because mm -hmm. it's a zoo, to be honest. Um, and then, <laughs> because it's what? It's a fucking zoo. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Even, <laughs> even on Sunday morning. Can I cuss? Yes. Yeah, I'll, absolutely. I'll, I'll, I'll bring it. Uh, that'll be you've already, you've already blown it with the hand job. So we're good. <laughs> no pun intended. Right. Sorry, I had to. I had Very to. punny this morning. I know we're all chipper. Um, so yeah, we decided to go to the Louvre. Um, and it, it was beautiful, wasn't it, Tammy? Yeah. We walked through the backside is what it felt like to me. And um, the beautiful pyramids are there, the glass pyramids. And like, I think we saw like one person and they moved out of the way. And then Cody was like, I could, let me take your picture. So he had me jump up and like do this really happy photo. And then we came around the other side of the pyramids and there were people waiting in line. Um, yeah. We're going to start the day and tour buses were starting to drop off. And, and Cody's like, let's get the hell out of here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been to Paris. This is my fifth time to Paris. I've never been to the Louvre because of the crowds and because of my anxiety. And Cody gave me a tip. What should I do if I come back to Paris when I go to the Louvre? Oh, you remember? go. Well, there's two tips actually. The, okay. the first tip is not to go through the big glass pyramid because okay. that's where everybody goes through. There's actually another entrance in the bottom that you can get to, I think from another actual just outside entrance, or you can actually go through the Metro. Okay. Um, and it'll take you to something called Carousel de Louvre, I think. And there's an entrance that like nobody goes to and it's super, super quick. Okay, um, yeah, and the other, the other tip is to go just pick a, pick a small part of a museum and just focus on it. Yeah. You know, and, and zone because in I, on that. Because I always see like the crowds by the Mona Lisa and the, like I see, I'm like, I, with everybody with their cell phones up and taking photos and I was like, I don't want I any part of that. I know. But, um, yeah. So you just really like, 
pick the yeah. debasement, like go down, go down below, go to somewhere else, totally. go to some other kind of part of the totally. museum that a lot of people don't visit. Yeah. I, I actually live super close to the Louvre and I've only been once. And for me, I always struggle at really heavily touristed places and I have nothing against tourists. I have nothing against heavily touristed places. Places that are full of tourists are full of tourists because they're lovely and beautiful and incredible. And I totally understand that. My concern is when you're somewhere and you cannot put your phone down for a moment to look around and see what you're looking at. Do you know what I mean? Like that. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. That like boils my blood. Right. Because then you're judging everyone and you're, you're, <laughs> then you're missing out on totally. your experience. I, I am not like, so there'll be like a circle of people like 10 feet away from the, the painting taking photos. And I will be that old lady that walks right up in front of it and looks at it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that is me, 100%. Six I'm foot like, three Cody, right? Yeah, exactly. And someone's all hunched over, angry. And if someone's like, someone, I think only once someone was like, can you move? And I was like, no. No. Oh, sorry. I'm just looking at it because that's what we're here to do, you know? So, yeah. Okay, that was my, um, but after yeah. that, we walked to um, the very famous um, Angelina, um, yes. which serves the world famous hot chocolate. Yeah. Which we shared. Nice. We shared like ladies do. We had yes. we were civilized. And we, <laughs> well, we shared walked right in. Each. There was no line. We walked right in like I said, we're like at Disneyland with an e-ticket. Like we just went, like, here's your table. Totally. And that has never happened at Angelina for me. No, it's always packed and there's always a line of a million people. And I kind of thought that there would be a line, to be honest, because it's always I've never not seen it line up. And I remember distinctly maybe like 10, 20 feet, 30 feet away. I'm not good with numbers. I don't know. Uh, we, were, we were some distance away and I grabbed your hand and I was like, there's no line. I know. <laughs> it was magic. It was magic. We're so you know, like we're, you know, so it's, it was really, really nice. And they do have the world's, I think the world's mm. best hot chocolate. It's like, it's, it's like, it's almost like a pudding. Like it's like yeah, melted. Oh, really don't want to like, you don't want to have like a full cup of it, like half a cup will do you. You know what I yeah. mean? And I don't yeah, know. I remember challenge on that. How many how many dishes were on our table? Like they gave us this little tiny table, Sandra, and they fit like ninety six dishes on it. Or something. Uh -huh. <laughs> it was so, we both splurged. Tammy took me out, which is so sweet of you and so nice of you. And um, we ordered the like we ordered like the full meal deal breakfast where we got a hot chocolate and some tea and we had little mini croissants with little tiny jars of jam. Oh my God. Tammy had eggs. And eggs with yeah. truffles. Eggs with truffles. Yes. Cause you're in Paris. I mean, come on. That's what yeah. we have to do. Yeah. yeah. We, we did say 14 times, like we wish that Sandra was there. Yes. Times. I know we you did. did. Yeah. We, did. we really wanted you there. <laughs> so we'll have, we'll go back. Yes. <laughs> So that was lovely. And then we went over to, is it the Tuileries? Is that how you say that? Yeah. So we went yeah. back to the Tuileries. Um, and then because I, I'm the same way, and I think I'm the same way for like, uh, you're kind of, um, you don't really like crowds because of anxiety. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't really like crowds because I hate people. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, it's really, I'm not anxious. I just dislike people. Just, You're just judging. People. I know. I, just, I, I feel that way too. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, I have no time for you. So 
I thought that we could go to like a little mini bite-sized museum, which is called the Larangerie, which is just on the um, kind of the outskirts of the Louvre, like on, on the little park. Mm-hmm. And it, and you can, do you want to talk about the art Tammy that we went and saw? Oh, yes, I do. I yeah. do. I did a little tiny bit of research on it um, too, because the museum was built especially for these paintings um, by Claude Monet. It was his water lilies. And I had not seen them before. I mean, I'd seen them in books um, and they were built in these, um, it's almost like an infinity symbol, I believe. Like it's kind of like this, um, it started out as a circle was how they were going to build the museum. And it eventually went into this oblong shape, um, an oval. And they had Monet's water lilies um, on the wall. So they kind of were shaped to the walls and they were massive. They were really huge. And, um, and when I walked in, I just burst into tears because <laughs> they were so beautiful. I was not expecting that, Cody. I don't know what, I think I was expecting like some paintings framed up on the wall, like you look at yeah. and you keep walking, but it, they were so big and so sculpted to the wall and just really, really beautiful. Yeah. yeah, I'm always, I really do love that museum as well. And I love it because it really is it's eight paintings in total, I think. Like, but, I mean, mm-hmm. they're huge, massive yeah. paintings. But eight panels, really, yeah. Eight panels. I'm really intrigued by, usually we build a museum to put the art in it, where this was like a museum built specifically for this. And that's what I find so fascinating is that like, do you know what I mean? It's almost like the opposite of what you you generally do, you'd build a museum and then you'd find all the art. Whereas this, it's like the art was there and then you build it around it. I just think that idea is just so, I yeah. don't know, interesting to me. And Monet, he died a couple of months after the museum opened. And mm. the, I, I, don't, I don't know the metric system very well, but they're two meters high, it says, and they're 91 meters long. So they're huge. They're just really, yeah. really huge. Yeah. Um, but I hadn't had that reaction to art in a long time. And it was just so, it was, I loved it so much. So, and it was the perfect bite-sized museum we saw yeah. and we left and I was filled up and I was like, that was perfect. That's like all I really needed to do. That was just amazing. So, um, yeah, thank you for taking me because that was oh just God, really God. a highlight of my trip. That was just was so, so nice. beautiful. Awesome. So beautiful. And then you walked me home through the St. Germain neighborhood. Is that right? Yeah. 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 And all the people were out at this point, you know, brunching and yes. doing their things. But exactly. yeah, the, the city had woken up by the time he was walking me home around noon. And that was, um, it was like the perfect, the perfect four hours. It was just great. Yeah, it is. I think sober, sober mornings and traveling or something that like, to kind of talk about sober travel for a minute is that like, we often get into that mindset of like, I can't survive this trip without something where it's like when you're up early in the morning and you're able to see things that other people aren't, mm-hmm. you're really, you're getting something instead of giving something up. And I think that that's a really, um, it's a nice perspective change, I think. Oh, that's such a good point. And you're right. It doesn't matter where you are either. You could be camping or at the beach totally. or wherever, but totally. you, yeah, that's it, like the, the gift. Anyway, yeah, exactly. Like a sun, a sunrise is a sunrise anywhere. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, totally agree. Yeah, and we and we said our goodbyes, thinking we weren't going to see each other again. And that was, you know. And then I went about. I didn't feel great that day. I went back to the apartment and I slept until about three, and then uh, went out with my friends again because I'm like, I'm in Paris. I can't, I can't stay in bed all day. Like I'm only going to be here a few more hours. 
Um, oh, yeah, but I woke up. Sexy trucker voice going on. You were. Oh, right. Right. <laughs> and that going. <laughs> That's how I used to sound when I woke up after drinking. So it was really. <laughs> Apropos. <laughs> right. The man voice. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I woke up Monday morning realizing I needed to get a lot of tea from my favorite little tea place. And so I texted Cody. I'm like, do you want to go on a tea run and get a kilo of tea? He was like, yes, I do want to do that. Meet me in front of the Hotel DeVille. I'm like, oh my God, yeah. it's like a drug deal. It's like, we're, it's like we're doing a tea deal here. We're going to pick up a kilo of tea. Yeah. Yeah. And it was pretty awesome, right? I mean, we had to wait for it to open, but the smell of that tea, Cody, transports me back to Paris. Like, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, I bought a little bit of tea when we had our second date. Yeah. And, and um, I was like, I'm going to make a cup of this while I talk to the ladies. And I put it down on my sofa and promptly spilled it the minute we were. <laughs> I'm sitting in a nice, cool down puddle of tea. Oh, poor <laughs> you. Yeah. <laughs> I've soaked it up nicely. Don't worry about me. Oh. Wow. I appreciated you so much, Cody. I mean, I still do, but just that, that weekend, it was very, um, it was a beautiful touchstone. I love my friends and they, they're not big drinkers. Like they drink a couple times a year. Like they really, that's not part of their lifestyle. Um, and, but just to connect with another person who understands how I drink, cause they don't understand how I drink or drink, you know what I yeah. mean? To have that kind of common, um, shared experience. And then to, to know that you get it, it was just very comforting while I was there. And I really, I yeah. just, it was a total treat, total treat. Well, it was a treat for me as well because I, I, I've been wanting to meet my witchy aunt for some time now. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's, it's, I mean, if anybody is living away or living far away from your friends and family, you can maybe um, empathize with this. But when I see people I love, I see them for a week and a half. And by the time I'm done a week and a half with someone, I just never want to see them again. So it's right, so, right. It's so nice when someone blows into town and is like, mm -hmm. I have six hours for you. And I was like, that is perfect. You know what I mean? It was <laughs> right. Such a nice treat. So if anyone anyone has six hours in Paris, I, I will never say no. You're the guy. Well, and you, you, you make such a good point. Yes. Those are, those are, those were boundaries I had to, that I didn't know I needed to explore until after I got sober. It's like, oh, wait, I got drinky when I spent a entire week with my family or whatever, you know, when I really just needed to take that down to 48 hours. Totally. And, yeah. And, and that's all anyone needs. <laughs> well, Cassandra, you talk about this. sober limits, right? Like, right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But I get it. When people come to Paris, they're there for, you know, that's a, that's a investment trip. And yeah. so they're going to be there for more than usually there for more than 48 hours. Yeah. Well, we should, we yeah. should talk about our dreams of going to Paris. I think we should. <laughs> So me and Cody got to daydream and him and Sandra had already been chatting. Um, but Cody, do you want to chat about that and share a little bit about, you know, your background and your expertise? And Yeah, well, we were kind of talking about, um, I mean, I got, to, well, first of all, I'll start with this. I worked, as you mentioned before, I worked with Sandra all summer on the Change Your Story project. And that was really great because um, what was what was so great about it for me is that we kind of started with something and then it morphed into something totally different. But it was right, it sure did. It was kind of like ah, and that 
I mean, basically what our, our project eventually kind of morphed into was kind of the second phase of my sobriety. Um, anyway, that's a, that's a whole other long side story. But so we were kind of talking um, while we were having one of our meetings and we were just talking about what, what things sobriety can bring you and, and what it opens you up to. And so we kind of got daydreaming and thought, wouldn't it be great if we could do um, some sort of like sober artistic um, retreat for women that's kind of centered around travel and art and creativity and recovery all wrapped into one. Um, and so we've kind of, we've kind of started the wheels on that process and we're feeling it out, I guess, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You set my mind just going and on the flight home, um, I watched three Bradley Cooper movies, but in between those, I was jotting down notes. I was jotting down notes. Yeah. I was like, oh, Bradley. And now I can be inspired and let's think about what I want to do with Cody. Oh, Bradley again. Okay. And now more notes. So I'm excited. Yeah. I, I'm hoping that we can um, make that happen. Yeah. Right. See, when I start, you know, fantasizing about doing something like this, it seems like too big and like I'd never, you know, too hard to, to facilitate and pull it off and logistics. Um, right. Logistical stuff. But then when someone that actually lives in the city offers, yes, yeah. it can happen. Uh, totally. This is totally doable. That's when, yeah, that's when it, that's when I get really um, I, like it, it feels like it way more real and, um, it, it, then that moves from idea stage to actually planning stage. Yeah. And I mean, I think, I think all three of us really bring something unique to the table and I would probably be more on the logistics, um, planning organizational side of it. And you two would kind of direct it and host lovely ladies and do things that ladies do and do them creatively with the recovery in mind. Um, but yeah, I think, I hope that everyone will hear about it more soon. Cause I think um, if there's an interest, I think we'd definitely be pursuing that in the future for sure. Absolutely. And after just going to this retreat in Morocco, I took a lot of notes while I was there too. And thinking like it's, it was a cultural trip with art thrown in there like two days. So it was more yeah. not the pressure of it just being like, you're going to just have this, you know, you can make art the whole time if you want to, of course you could have your sketchbook, but it was pretty, it was pretty much like, here's some free time to shop. Here's some free time to go to this, you know, explore this area and go to a museum if you want. Um, so I liked it too, that I just freshly come off of that and had the idea that it, it doesn't have to be us teaching something seven days of the week. It can really be that it's the experience. That would be too much, Sandra yeah, and Tammy. It would be way yeah. too much. I mean, we're <laughs> fabulous too, but we're not that fabulous. So just Cody and I were talking just about, you know, landing in Paris and taking a train, like train travel in Europe is just so special and yeah. unlike the United States. And um, that could be, that's part of the, you know, the journey as well. So the whole thing from the time you would leave your door would be just this experience, this travel experience. And I know we've had a couple of ladies on the show that do sober travel and plan those things. And I don't know, just to be with your people, like-minded people, make some art, yeah. commune, be around others, just get to know one another. I feel like that's really, um, that would be a really uh, special event. So well, I, I definitely want to do travel. it. Sober travel is so cool because, I mean, I was thinking about this earlier today when I was just kind of thinking about 
what we were going to talk about, but like, they always say that like the age you started drinking is kind of when you like were stunted. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of mm-hmm. left off. And so like, I mean, I'm, I'm a 15 year old girl at this point. My <laughs> developmental <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's like, you don't learn how to do those things the way you may have had you had had the page been turned a different way you know what I mean so it's mm-hmm. it's nice like-minded group of people who share your common experience um and can kind of bring you some comfort in in a sometimes scary experience sometimes you don't want to you don't want to push out of your comfort zone you don't want to leave home you don't want to leave your routine because you're scared that it could you know mess with your progress and that's always a reality every time every day you get up that's a reality but yeah. And for this type of a trip, like we're not going to have therapists there. We're not going to have, you know, so people have to, to be, to, to feel like they can do it and to know that they would be supported in, in the sense that there's other women there you can chat with about it. I, I definitely had to practice my mantra of grace over drama. And I used the mantra, I am the one I've been waiting for when I was on my flights over and to just get over myself a little bit. And because I, I was going to a retreat with, um, I didn't know if there was going to be alcohol. I didn't know. I didn't, I had some X factors for me, but I felt sturdy enough in my sobriety that I knew that I could reach out to a friend. I knew that I could go to my room. I knew I had other solutions that I could, that I could do if that became a problem. But the safety in this one is that that would be taken off the table. There's not going to be alcohol, like zero. (laughs) Right. And you know how often we talk about practicing or rehearsing, um, you know, conversations in your head or, or, you you know, sometimes we have to practice these things before we can show up as a as that confidence over person. And so, you know, this, this would be an occasion, you know, if you haven't so done a lot of sober traveling before, this would just be a really safe place to practice it. Totally. Oh, this is how you, oh, this is how you, you know, walk up to the bar and order your Pellegrino without feeling awkward and, you know, or too awkward and kooky about it. Yeah. Well, I, I think what I've discovered in my sober relationships always is that sometimes you bond with someone just because they're sober. Do you know what I mean? And then mm-hmm. you kind of figure out like, actually we don't have that much in common. So we probably won't become really close friends because we don't really like doing the same things, you know? So I think sure. you have, if you bring together groups of people who are interested in the same things and like doing the same things, that's kind of when things, when you can add another layer to that, that relationship and I think I mean of course there's always that bond when you meet another sober person and you're like we share this like this is the the bond of all bonds but if there's nothing to build on that it 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 will probably just kind of remain that way do you know what I mean absolutely and I that was something I again like had to learn when I got sober I just thought oh yeah we're we have this common thing and you know we'll be fast friends but you're right kind of comes back to oh but we don't really have anything else in common. Um, I think that's what's so great about our community because we're kind of specific and we talk about creativity and recovery that we have attracted a lot of mostly women that (laughs) and some token beautiful men that, um, you know, that do want to talk about, creativity and evolution and making things and, you know, having these types of experiences. So I think that that's what makes this community so vibrant. 
the creativity in our community is something that I mean, every when you're when you're drinking yourself into whatever you're drinking yourself into, creativity is one of the first things that are often stifled. Creativity yes. is this thing that can be nestled and nourished and honored, to go back to your word, and and really cherished. And you can't really, I don't think you can be fully creative, creatively fulfilled if you're if you're numbing yourself. That's that's my my experience with it. I tried um, it forever and it didn't, I never yeah. could make that, find that magic door to open. And I think that there's a lot of frustration that, that can build from that. You know what I mean? Like the, the, the frustration of being unable to unleash your creativity and bring what you want to bring into the world because you're just, you're not in it. You know what I mean? You're, you're doing something else. So this is such a cool community because it's people who are like, who got their, who got their groove back. You know what I mean? Like, right. <laughs> experience absolutely yeah it feels like um i talk about sometimes in the rooms i hear about a god-sized hole and that made sense to me and i feel like in recovery i get to fill that hole um with my creativity and that that was my way even before i got sober something inside of me knew that that was the way out that's when i started making art about a year before i got sober and it was just the way it was the way and now that I am, and now that we have this podcast and Sandra and I, you know, when we met, we kind of um, clicked and, and could share a common language about it and, and to have people in our, our unruffled community um, that are, are creative in all kinds of different ways. Even if I think I'm hoping that some of them who think that they're not have listened to the podcast and realized that, you know, they are in some way. They just, have, what, what is that for you? Is it how you dress? Sure. Is it how you decorate your home? Is it, um, you know, it could be many other things other than making visual art. Um, sometimes that's just what people think of, but it's, it's, it's making music. It's um, making beautiful clothing like Sandra does. Um, it's all kinds of things, writing. And so I hope that, that when people stop drinking, that they can find that for themselves, whatever that is, you know, to fill themselves up again. Yeah. Well, and not to regurgitate something from like a high school art teacher, but like everybody's creative. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like creativity runs through the veins of every human on earth and it's yeah it, it, it's your job to find that and harness it and figure out what what fulfills you in that way you know or mm -hmm. not you know mm -hmm. but and it, i find too that being you know doing this sober it makes me open to trying other mediums that i would never have would never have tried you know, I like, for instance, I've never considered myself a painter, but I'll take a painting class or I'll take, you know, like I, I love to explore other avenues and other mediums and just open myself to other ways of expressing myself. Yeah. yeah. And we're clear and present to do it. And yeah, I think being open-minded is such a big tenant of sobriety, right? We do have to be open. You, you can find your way, pick your way, whatever that modality is or not, or find your own way. But you have to be open to something new because clearly what was what you were doing wasn't working. So you need to open up a little bit. And I, I have found that using um, creative tools and going back to school and and putting things on a blank piece of paper make me feel really happy and to create something out of nothing um, that is all from me. Like, I love that. That makes me feel like I got something done that day. <laughs> and it's not for anybody else. It's just for me. And if somebody else likes it, I, I don't mind sharing anymore because it's the process, not the product. You know, it's the process of getting there that I think is so fascinating. 
So yeah, to have a retreat, to be able to spend time with people, to let people explore that, to hang out, to share a meal, to like take a walk. Like that's what I'm looking forward to. So I'm, I'm looking, we need to schedule our little powwow because I really would love to, to really make this happen next year. Mm-hmm. Where, what, what is the word you use where wom, woman? Well, manifesting. We're manifesting. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to woman. We had a former guest that coined that, that little phrase and I loved it. <laughs> Katie was her name. I'm going to use that. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's fitting. I think you definitely should it. use it. <laughs> oh, well, we could talk to you forever, Cody. I'm sure you know that. Oh, I um, talk to you later. And we will, and we will continue this off air, but we are so happy that our listeners got to know you a little bit today. And um, yeah, it was so nice. Yeah, so happy that we got to share you with our listeners. Oh, because so nice yeah. to get to know you ladies. In our it's little so bright light. Yeah. Oh, it's, been, it's been great. Well, this is the part of the show when we get sad to say our goodbyes, but we do share um, items from our unruffled toolbox that um, help us, you know, along with our sobriety journey or creative journey. And um, do you have three items to share? I do have three items to share. I actually have four. So I'll give you like my fourth one to start. Okay. Um, First, first one is a nice bed. I Mm -hmm. just think that's the advice that I give to everybody, regardless of anything, of any problem in the world. Nice bed, nice sheets, nice pillows. You spend all your life in your bed. I swear to God, I'm not trying to sell a Casper mattress. Um, but <laughs> We are looking for sponsors, so let's I, see if we can work this together. <laughs> it's terrible. Um, so that's my like first of the bonus ones. Okay, that's um, good. So my, that's my first bonus. So my first big one that it, when I was thinking about this, this, is, this changes everything for me. And it's perspective. And I know that that sounds so vague and ominous and like obvious, but perspective helps me solve every problem I've ever had. Mm. If I can look at something differently from a different view, from a different angle, from a different viewpoint, from above, below, you know what I mean? That That's what changes everything for me. And part of my, I mean, as a Virgo, as a fellow Virgo. That's right. Um, we're known to be a little <laughs> uptight, perhaps. Uh, <laughs> perhaps. Perhaps, maybe, maybe a tinge, but I'm re- Virgos are my favorite because they're like, I'm uptight, but I'm really fun. <laughs> <laughs> right. No one ever believes the fun part. They're like, you're uptight. So my, my big, the, the great poet and philosopher RuPaul once said, don't <laughs> yourself too seriously. Life is not that serious. We are a speck of grain in a desert, a speck of sand in a desert. Do you know what I mean? So like, Mm. don't, it's shifting that perspective to something different that can pull you out of anything. Do you know what Mm. I mean? No, I agree. I, you know, I think it changed. I've talked about this many times, but it changed the trajectory of my sobriety when I changed my perspective to, I don't get to drink to, I don't have to drink. Um, that can, that changed my, that changed my life. Just that one shift in perspective. And sometimes it's really dumb things too. You know what I mean? And I don't, I, I never want to be like, for example, like, okay, you have to walk, you have to walk from point A to point B and you don't want to walk and you wish you could take a cab or whatever, but it's like, you got legs to walk. Somebody doesn't have legs. You know what I mean? Like, don't, don't ever diminish your problem because someone has a larger problem. I'm not saying that, but look, I mean, it comes back to gratitude too. You know what I mean? That's what 
I mean, that's a big part of your philosophy, I know. Um, yeah. Both of you, but you in particular, Tammy, you talk about gratitude a lot. I think that that's, that's something that, I mean, gratitude is just a vehicle to change your perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like my opinion. So, so perspective is my, my big one. Um, my second tool would be, um, I, this is a bit weird. And I was like, should I say this? But for me, I'm going to, because I think that it's honest and I think I need to be honest, but fear plays a big role in my toolbox in a, in a weird way. And I'm not saying to live in fear, but fear motivates me to some extent. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm fearful of, of drinking again. And I'm, I'm, I'm fearful of, of kind of entering back into my old life. Mm-hmm. And that's not live in fear, but it, it's a motivating factor for me personally. It, mm. it works for me. And I think, I mean, that's what a toolbox is. You, you use whatever in your toolbox that you works for you. Mm-hmm. No, I, I hear this. I, I have a healthy fear of going back for sure. Yeah. And it, it keeps me in check. Like I know yeah. what I want my life to look like, and I know what I don't want it to look like. And that scares right. me. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's that like the scared straight phrase or whatever, which didn't work on me, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, little gay joke in there for you. Um, and then my last one is to, which I wrote this down, it's to know your energy and to respect it. And I think that that, that goes down to what we were talking about earlier, where like, I'm someone who I like to spend about 60 to 70% of my time alone. I like my own company. I like doing solitary things. I like cooking alone. I like walking alone. I like podcasts. I like shopping alone. Like, I really like being alone. So when I'm around people too much, I am an unhappy human being. And, I'm, and it's written all over my face. It comes out to everyone that I'm interacting with. On the other side though, my other part of my like energy budget, I need 30% of my time to be with people. I need mm-hmm. to make someone laugh today. I need to talk about politics with someone once a day. I need to touch someone once a day. You know what I mean? So I have, I need to have a conversation with a friend once a day. So there's that knowing your energy and finding that balance and really harnessing it has been an invaluable tool for me. And I'm not trying to, um, what I've also learned in that is I'm not trying to change what my energy is. That's not the point of that. It's not, it's not trying to say you need to be around people or you don't need to be around people. Um, it's figuring out exactly who, who I really am and, and modifying my, my life to suit that so that I'm kind of the best, my best, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, listening to ourselves, like I couldn't listen to myself when I was drinking because it just was too loud. You know, it was too loud. It was too much. I was always in recovery from, you know, drinking from the night before. But to to actually to have that clarity and the and the well, I guess just the clarity and of mind when you wake up in the morning and to know now what you require. I could only do that now that I'm sober. I don't feel like I had a great um, a great basis for. Um, what my body required or what my mind or what my energy required. And now I do. And um, yeah. I think, I, and, and even that takes some doing, right? Like you yeah. listen to ourselves and we tune in a little bit more and keep, you know, now I know, oh, I can't um, 
go to the big flea market. You knew that before I knew that, right? And then I was like, of course, that, that would be like a nightmare <laughs> for me um, with just jet lag and only being there a couple of days and all the time it would take to get there and the hustle and bustle. Like, I like that you knew that. Well, and that goes to, I think, I mean, it goes back to boundaries, but it goes, you can use that tool both ways. That's knowing someone else's energy as well. Mm-hmm. So if you know you have a friend who really is kind of high maintenance or needs a little more social interaction or always give her that, you know? And if you have a friend who likes to be left alone, don't text her all the time, leave her alone. You know what I mean? Like respect mm-hmm. people. If, if, if you can in, become in tune with other people's energy, your collective energy is just going to be better, you know? Mm, you're right. And it is, it's a two-part discovery. It's like mm-hmm. figuring it out and then honoring it once you figure yeah. it out. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I love that. So those are my tools plus the bonus tool of get a nice bed. I love a <laughs> bonus tool. We'll be including that. <laughs> yes. Oh, Cody, thank you so much for taking the time and coming oh my on. God, my pleasure. I love, I love both of my weird witchy cookie I was so excited when I woke up this morning. I've already said it, but I was so excited to talk to you today. I could talk to you for hours. So I miss our chats. I might might actually just sign up for your next. All right. I'll be looking for that. (laughs) Still broken. (laughs) Come talk to me for an hour every week, you know. Dr. Sandra. Well, I will say, you know, just get like uh, what, what, what did end up happening? Yes, we didn't um, tackle one thing, but we did follow our curiosity. I let you take the lead, but we did cover a whole lot of, a whole lot of ideas that you have, some that I even had. And and that was really fun. It was a really good use of our time. (laughs) That's one part of the, of of any project too, is, is like, again, (laughs) It's, it's about the journey and not the destination. Right. You know, like we've, I'm still on the journey, you know, and it's, it's, it's all good. And we, I just had such a, it was such a great experience and everyone should do it. So. Oh, thank you. And now I we get to, to journey it. together, you guys. I'm excited mm-hmm. about that. Yeah. We may have to do a pre um, exploratory uh, trip because right. How are we going <laughs> to. Exactly. We need to plan okay. out unless we've actually been there. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So hopefully in, I don't know what, six months, I'll be back here talking about an actualized plan. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's do it. Let's, we'll manifest this. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Cody. Oh my God. Thank you. It was such a pleasure. And so nice to get to talk. The Unruffled Podcast was created and produced by Sandra Primo and Tammy Salas. Our show is edited and mixed by Steve Hecht. Original music composed and performed by Caitlin Schumacher. Original artwork created by Tammy with the help of graphic designers Chris Aguirre and Amy Lanier. Thanks for listening.